1: And here's the best part your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to trylifemd.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at try That's trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.
0: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced
1: ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your
0: target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Self Belief Chief podcast. You're here with David Holman. Today, we're going to talk about a really interesting subject, something that I think I've definitely fallen foul of in the past. We'll talk about toxic ambition with Angelic Williams. Now, before we get into a question, there's a there's a really interesting in, uh, inspiration that we share in common. So when I was doing my research, Angelic, I noticed the quote you have about Robin Williams, that you're only one little spark. <laughs> you're only given one little spark of madness, uh, you mustn't lose it but the way i created my business name is self-belief chief i uh, wouldn't want to talk about self-belief and confidence but the way the name came about is one of my favorite films is goodwill hunting and there's the scene on the park bench where he's talking to matt mm-hmm. damon and says you can't just theoretically understand life you have to live it you have to learn it and he said look if you don't want to work with me you don't have to You'll move chief and that's how the name came about. So it, I just found it interesting and nice that that little bit of research we found a, a common inspiration there. Do you remember the first time you heard that quote? It's the first time that came about, and sort of wow, that that means something to me. Oh man, I I don't. I I've
0: loved Robin Williams my my entire life. I had the privilege of meeting him twice.
1: Oh wow! I got the
0: privilege. I got the privilege of making him laugh when I was seventeen, and I was like. I can die now <laughs> take like I'm good like, uh, I've done it you know to the we didn't talk about this pre-show because you know I didn't know this yeah, but I have,
1: yeah.
0: listeners can't see this
1: but I have oh yeah a tattoo sleeve the genie oh for listeners uh, it's, and it's life, not it's yeah. not just a casual genie on the arm it's like a proper detailed genie that's also how did you how did that come yeah. about
0: so for me so uh I think I discovered Robin Williams. I, I'm like an 80-year-old woman on the inside, so I watched a lot of like old television. So uh, one of the shows I watched was um, Happy Days, and he has a character, Mork from Planet Orc, which turned into Mork and Mindy. And I was like, who is this man? He's so interesting. And I've seen all of his movies, and i watched them over and over as a kid. And it was because I was a very depressed child, and his movies made me laugh. Like, it was the only thing that would make me happy. And so when Aladdin came about at the time of uh, voice acting was really relegated for just, you know, low level acting it was beneath bigger stars. But when Robin Williams did the genie, it was so popular, it just completely changed the game of celebrities doing voices. And it was always, you know, for me, I look at it the, in the tattoo, he's, his eyes look right at me. And so I look down and I think, you know, just don't forget to smile, like have some fun, you know? And there's also the, you know, meta version of this. <laughs> at the end, you know, the genie's cuffs come off and he's free and he can do what he wants. So yeah. my genie's cuffs, he's staying with me, okay? He's not, <laughs> not going to go fly off. <laughs> but, but yeah, so that's how it came about, yeah.
1: And I know, I know that the listeners are screaming at me to ask this question now. So they've just heard you say you made Robin Williams laugh and every person's going, oh my God, what was the joke? What was the joke? What did you say? What did you do? How did you make someone like that laugh? We would all, you know, happily die at that oh, point. Oh man. was <laughs> it that made him laugh?
0: Okay, so uh, my high school, there's a non-profit in, that was founded in San Francisco called 826 Valencia, and it, uh, you work with high school students to write a book. Um, <clears throat> it's Dave Eggers' company, so there's always a celebrity that writes the forward. So my class was selected, Robin was the forward, which was amazing. Um, he came to our school, he did like a comedy set, hilarious. We took a picture, I didn't get to talk to him, I was so jealous. We get to the book release party and he's there. and You know, he signs the book. And afterward, I meet him at the stanchion, you know, and it says, you know, welcome to the Williams family, Robin and Zelda and his kids' names, right? I meet him here. And I said, Robin, I'm such a huge fan. I've seen all your work. And I'm just rattling off things on his IMDb that he knows. And I go, (laughs) but he's like, and he's so just in it. And I say, but I got to tell you, Robin, I'm really disappointed. And he says, why? And And he genuinely looked concerned. And I said, because this sign here says "Welcome to the Williams family," and my last name is Williams, and my name's not on here. <laughs> I'm like, who do I have to sleep with to get my name on this sign, brother? And just a very outlandish teenager. And he just, you know, just went back, just like oh, yeah. laughing. Just that was like, oh, he was amazing. like, "We'll work on it. We'll work on it."
1: <laughs> so- <laughs> that is amazing. So, tell me how that quote has. We so can move into some of the stuff that um, I really want to talk about today tell me how that quote has led you to the sort of life you've had at, up up until this point
0: so it's always been a really good anchor for me when I feel like I'm getting lost or I feel like I don't know what I'm doing I have a, I have a few quotes that that I reference for that um, but that one is always one that sticks to me because what makes you great whether that's singing or business or whatever it is or artistic things it's also your greatest weakness you Mm -hmm. know it's like a very 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 fine line like your madness like it's called madness for a reason right (laughs) you know like it can make you mad it can make you sort of lose your way or chase the wrong things because of this initial spark of an idea and so for me it's always been am I losing my spark am I am I on the right path does this add up do these I started at point A and now I'm on point L and was, was that right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. And so it's always been a good touch point of, are you, are you using your madness? or Are you falling into the way of society and the world and chasing the wrong things that don't actually make you happy? But it's a, it was a, an offshoot of your original idea. And so therefore it must be okay, but that's not true.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Just because you want to go to LA doesn't mean you just go straight the entire time from San Francisco, right? You have to turn at some point. You have to get off. Otherwise, right. you're going to end up in Mexico. That, that's crazy, you know, <laughs> so.
1: So, I, and I agree with you. I, I think, and also for people to pursue something that is out of the, out of, you know, it's unusual for most people's perception of life or how a career should look or how this should look or that should look. We're going to talk about toxic ambition today, and um, people people naturally go, okay, how do I know when madness is too much madness? How do I know when madness is the right type of madness? Because some people go, well, madness, okay, so I feel mad in this situation, but actually, how do they know how to utilize that? How do they know what part of it's the right part? Have you created a distinction for yourself in terms of which part of the madness is right, and then which part of the madness leads to things like toxic ambition?
0: That's it's a very careful, careful calibration. And you and self awareness is the main thing. You have to be able to pause and start to think about it. If you just keep going, if you just go, 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 you'll never be able to recognize it. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a stopping point. And for me, it was, you know, I have this goal, take me too long to get the goal. I'm upset because I thought it should happen sooner, or I hit the goal, but it didn't make me happy. So it must have been the wrong goal. So I gotta make a new goal so I can go do that. Or, you know, just I'm getting praise from my friends or family or peers. And I'm like, no, I'm, my internal monologue is you don't even know. I'm like a loser. I'm not doing all these. It looks great on the outside, but on the inside, it's a mess, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just, when you're doing something that has a very prescribed outcome and you're not willing to move on the outcome and you will sacrifice any and everything it takes, you know, whatever it takes, by any means necessary. That is not a good goal. You mm-hmm. know, it it may be a good goal, but the way you're going about it is is incorrect. And for me, the way that I I recognize it is, you know, my background, you know, is an architecture and real estate development and tech. And when I was in real estate development, I had this job that I loved originally. I really did love that job. Um, and and the place um that I worked at. But there was a change in ownership, things shifted. And literally every second between my foot hitting the ground, getting out of the bed, to my ass hitting the chair, getting back in my car to go home, I was miserable. I was miserable. And I was living this life to achieve these things that I, quote unquote, wanted until I realized I've been told to want these things. And therefore, I've told myself I want them, but now I have them. And I'm super unhappy. So rather than stop and think about what do you really want out of life, I just have to work harder because then I'll see what everyone else wants me to see. I'll just make more money and buy more things and increase my socioeconomic, my socioeconomic status and I'll find it. But that's not actually true. And so for me, when it comes to calibrating it myself, you know, if I have a project I need to work on. You know, I listen a lot more to my body when it's tired. I don't do anything, you know, because I'm going to sit there and I'm going to argue with myself about getting it done. It's going to take me like seven hours. I'm going to be super unhappy. Or I can punt on the day, wait till tomorrow and knock it out in an hour because I feel better. Mm -hmm. And it's really about, you know, madness, the crazy, whatever you want to call it, letting it out for a very specific amount of time, like when you need it. Like when you're in a deadline, when your back's against the wall, you have to pump out a ton of work for whatever particular reason, turn it on and then put it away because I have an entire mini pharmacy next to my bed that I don't talk about because of my ambition. And I wish I didn't have to take those pills, but I do because I pushed my body to points that I shouldn't have because in my head i thought i needed to i thought i had to i thought i should like those three words
1: oh i totally agree with you that yeah like, absolutely need
0: have should yeah like need to have to should, should. the most dangerous words i, I, in, I say in that in every language. single
1: week i say that every single week to people those exact three words that's so weird you just mentioned that yeah i agree
0: yeah yeah so definitely if you're if you're saying that to yourself then you really need to stop and think about why do you feel that way mm. you know like because we need to eat. We have to drink water. We should be social because that's how we're ingrained. Mm. And you do have to pay your taxes unless you want to go to jail. But yes. other than that, you know, there's very few absolutes. But we make so many of them out of literally nothing. Mm. You know, it seems important. But when you back it up to the grand scheme of life, it's really nothing. Because... Someone else can do it. If you die tomorrow, your job's going to replace you, and they're going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, my to, tomorrow is the uh, tomorrow is the one year anniversary of my mom's passing, and I remember, okay. I remember what I was doing. Um, I was writing an email. I just finished an early morning call. I was writing an email. I got the news, just you know, just in disarray, and. I went back, I sat at my computer and I was, I looked at the email I was writing and I just said, this, this is so stupid. Mm. This doesn't matter because what matters now? You know, it's really stopping to think about like, yes, it's important. We care about our jobs and we do and our integrity, but life and connections or people and quality of life is way more than any career Mm -hmm. can
1: be so for people listening i'm sorry that uh that happened to you um, and i'm sure that was uh, a very powerful um image or metaphor that you've provided for others in that moment of really understanding what's important uh, lots of people will be listening to this lots of people will think about toxic ambition in terms of their career and actually miss out that there's toxic ambition everywhere in terms of just things that society tells you you should have so I know people are going to be saying this, and they'll, they'll say but Angelic, so how would you describe very simply what toxic ambition is if you really had to condense it so that people could instantly measure if they're stru- suffering with it right now? How would you define it?
0: I would define it as ask yourself in any aspect, work personal. Is the life you're living more fulfilling or more draining? When you think about your life, do you feel energized? Do you feel like things are right? Or do you feel constantly you're not enough? This isn't happening. That isn't happening. Or I'm hitting my goal, but I just, these 80 hour weeks are killing me. You know, when you really think about how do you feel about your life right now? When you're feeling that that pressure, I, like it's like a boulder in your chest where you can't breathe mm-hmm. and you're just, just stuck, you can't move. And you again, you feel like, you're stuck to you're stuck between need to and have to and you don't have agency because there's always a choice we just tell ourselves we don't have one when you're really thinking about that that's how you know it's toxic if you just feel stuck between a rock and a hard place there's no way out except to what you've created for yourself something in your life has become toxic that you built this invisible box mm-hmm. that you can't you created the box you can get rid of the box
1: you you wrote an article on this subject, and I know that people had responded it uh, responded to it in a way that maybe surprised you to a certain extent in terms of people coming out of the, the woodwork and and coming to you um whilst maintaining a level of discretion which i, I I'm sure is uh, is uh, needed here and important could you maybe highlight some people not names but highlight some people? parts of their stories that you can share that people can sort of go yeah that's the version of toxic ambition that I am and that yeah oh yeah god I do that I didn't even know that was a problem so who are the people what sort of things were they saying when they read the article
0: oh man yeah there's there's so many different examples I mean there's people from climbing the corporate ladder and dealing with you know sexism racism microaggressions whatever they are for the sake of getting the promotion or doing the things there's people that you know they stay in a relationship because their their goal is to be married and this is the person they're with and forget if you like that person but they want to marry you so you're going to go do that but you have to be with that person forever and the relationship is terrible but you'd rather be here and have the status and the title of someone's spouse than to be single and happy you know um there's there's just so there's so many things there's people that you know have lost their families because they were so obsessed they missed their kids games they you know took a spoke at a conference on their wedding anniversary you know just things that inherently aren't terrible but when you're inherently aren't deal breakers, let's say but when it becomes a pattern where you're constantly missing out on your life like missing out on the people in your life because you know a lot of people i say all the time the neighborhood you went to the school you went to the degree you have your job thats not a personality trait mm-hmm. these are not personality traits these are not who you are it's what you did and that's it mm-hmm. and a lot of people you know one in particular i think about lawyers every lawyer i've talked to even before this i asked them oh would you be a look if you could do it again would you be a lawyer? And they say no. I'm like, so why are you here? I'm like, well, I spent all this money on this degree, so I might as well. You might as well be what miserable.
1: Hmm. Well, it's just, because, it's just of, because of debt. It's well, it's, <laughs> which it's, is which and... is a
0: real ambition, which is a real issue. But... Yeah.
1: but it's just like it's like a gambling addiction, isn't it? You put you so much money into it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's you're you're trying to basically get the return or the reward on it. And I I remember. So when we talk about toxic ambition in many ways it's a form of addiction really it's you know it's being it's it's that thing of okay well maybe i maybe i am getting some level of instant gratification in that moment but there's you know it's essentially empty or instant relief from pain but essentially it's empty i remember ben Affleck, i was sort of going off topic slightly talking about him being an alcoholic and saying that his belief, and he's doing much better now. His belief ultimately with that, or of changing any habits, really comes down to you have to go through something an extreme form of pain to really create a permanent change. So his one, for example, is he's a mess, he's passed, he's sort of nearly passed out, and he said, I can I've got, you know, been sick and everything else lying on the floor, and I can see my kids standing over me crying. And he just said he, he knew at that moment it's too in, the pain is too intense and too real that it would have to change. Now, my feeling is that well, everything can be motivated by pain or pleasure. They're the things that drive and motivate us. But I know plenty of people who, who they will never make a change unless it's an intense form of pain. And sort of what you described as well, Angelic, is the thing that's caused you to make the shift is intense pain, like for many of us. And that's not a problem. Do you think overcoming things like toxic ambition, do you think that only really comes about by the big slap in the face or what you described as the whole family's broken? Do you think it only gets resolved through intense pain? Or do you think there are ways that can help make people make a permanent change now that they don't have to go through all those consequences you were just referencing?
0: Yes, absolutely. And that's part of the reason why I built the course to try and save folks from hitting that hitting that wall. Cause yeah, I've had several moments of where, it, you know, that, that realization that something has to change. And I, I relate to Ben in that way because uh, I used to have a massive drinking problem because I was looking for happiness at the bottom of a glass and it wasn't there. So it's the next one, the next one it took me a very, very long time to learn how to drink socially without dying. Um, and it's funny you mentioned um, Ben Affleck. I have, my, have a friend a work colleague turned friend, um, who is an AA, and he took the course, and he and he even said that there was a lot of similarities between the program and what's in the course. And it is, it's you're you're addicted to to the success, to the to the likes, to the accolades, to the thought leadership. Really, again, it's about pausing. It's about pausing and asking yourself why are you doing this. And one thing I talk about in the course is the five whys technique. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been repackaged to like seven whys deep and other things. But yeah. again, continuing to ask that why to get to the deeper root because whatever that first answer is, that's the superficial answer. That's what that's what's been embedded in our brain to believe. But if you go deeper, somehow it always lands with like parenting or you know like economic status the way you grew up. We don't like going there you know, our brain goes into like self-defense and self-preservation when we start to think about these scary things because our body perceives it as a threat. And so we need to save ourselves from it and not go there. But the reality is you do really have to get in. There's a quote, I can't remember who said it, but it's again, it's one of those quotes I have packaged in my brain, which is the only way, the, the only way out is through. Like you can't jump over it you have to go through the darkness fall in the puddle you know scrape your knee whatever to get to the other side Mm -hmm. like there's no shortcuts we can make shortcuts we can pretend i've done it many times we can pretend that we that we've solved it that we've got it together by changing your job or changing your industry altogether and you get that breath of fresh air because it's a new environment but those same things will creep back like you can't outrun yourself and just because we're not the completed version of ourselves, like you said, that big thing at the end. Just because we're not a completed version doesn't mean we can't clap for ourselves of like how far we've gotten. Mm. Like whoever's listening, if you talk to yourself a year ago, two years ago about whatever your idea is or your goal was and where you are now, I'm pretty sure that previous version of you'd be like, Yeah, that's great. We're making great progress. But the you presently is like, damn, this is taking forever. I just want to get I just want to get there. I'm tired of waiting.
1: I used to, I, I, my background was as an athlete and then I worked in the corporate sector. So I've come from sort of quite high pressure backgrounds where it was outcome over output really. And sort of what you're describing and for people listening essentially is look, outcomes are great and they're, 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 it's nice when you achieve things, but if you don't have any sort of reward system for your output, cause your outcome, you can only influence, you can't control the outcome can control your output and the truth is people try and control the thing they can't control the outcome and they have a substandard output whereas actually if they just understood their output a little bit better by marrying up what do they really want then having the right output to that and with that actually having a reward system for those outputs that anything above that which is essentially going to be an outcome is a bonus and it's okay at that point but if that becomes your staple of outcomes in life, results, yes, it's important in some factors of life. It's important in some jobs, but that's not as an either or. It's a, it's you get the output part right. Even if you worked in something like, for example, sales, where, yes, it's all results driven. It's all outcome. You don't have a focus. Anyone who's good at sales has a really clear focus and output, because if they just focus on the outcome, the truth is they won't make sales all of the time. But they can keep their own self-esteem high and their own sense of um, self-worth uh, in terms of their job right by have I done the right things to make this the right thing, you know, to to perform as well as possible? Have I got the right output? And then the rest of your outputs at home and everywhere else. The one thing I really was desperate to ask you is it, it sounds like you, you very much feel like you're on the other side of at least the intensity of how bad it, it maybe got for you personally and then i always think it's being nice to be in a position where you're then helping others once you feel like you you've dealt with that i know you describe it as the other place of being like getting to nirvana essentially and being able to have fun so how do you have fun
0: you know that is a perfect question and when you asked me about how to define toxic ambition as we kept talking I thought man I should have said name a hobby that's not work related Mm. because I used to people would ask me what do you do for fun and I would sit and I would seize in my brain I'm like don't say drinking don't say drinking that's a really bad first answer don't say that because that was my hobby I'd go home I drink I wash TV. I go to sleep in front of the couch. That was my that was my life. I didn't do that much. Um but now I have real answers. So thank you for let's an go. Let's have, let's see the real answers. Um, let's go. So my real answer, so I love traveling. I love traveling. I love discovering culture. I love learning new languages. I'm a huge foodie. Mm. I eat for pleasure, not for sustenance, you know, like I want almost everything I eat to just be amazing because yeah. I love food that much. Um I like painting. I love horseback riding. Those are my favorite things. I'm a huge, huge fan of drag, so I love going to drag shows. People that grew up in whatever small small town, big city, whatever, that were different, that were bullied, that were ridiculed, and now they're on stage touring or locally being themselves, and I always thought that's such a powerful thing to use what what made you different and what people made fun of you for you didn't hide it you have just found the outlet where you could be celebrated hmm. and so I've, I've always just really really taken to that I have a lot of friends that are drag queens Um because like I said it's, it's inspiring it's back to that spark of madness of you know you took your love of makeup and, and heels and, and fashion and turned it into this Larger than life persona that brings so much joy to people hmm. and joy to you. And do you remember yeah, the first? I don't want to get emotional about it because it's real. Yeah. It's real personal. So,
1: well, do you remember the first time on the sort of you felt like you were on the other side of this? The first time that you found something fun.
0: Let's think. There, twenty twenty one It's been a journey. It's been a big, big journey. Uh, let me think, let me think real quick. The first time I really felt that. Okay, I got it. I don't know if this is fun. It feels terrifying, <laughs> but I survived. It. Uh, I was in Denver, Colorado uh, in the States. I, you know, Denver is famous for all their mountain ranges and they're called 14ers because it's 14,000 feet. Um, I'm not a hiker, so I think like, I will never experience this but they have a road called the Mount Evans Scenic Bypass. And it's, it's the tallest road in North America. It goes up the mountains. So I said, great, I can see the views without hiking. In theory, this sounded great. <laughs> and I was by myself. And so you go in, you drive. And I'm like, oh, this isn't bad. No cell reception, one lane on one side, one lane on the other side, no guardrails up this mountain. So I'm terrified. I'm going two miles an hour like just straddling both lanes like this is it this is how i go i can't believe why is my sense of adventure so high i don't get it and it's nine miles and so we're at like mile five and i'm thinking i can't make it i can't make it i'm having a panic attack i can't make it And i'm like okay let's assess the options go keep going fall off the cliff die <laughs> <laughs> don't like that <laughs> option two <laughs> this is all i'm going two miles an hour up this road okay option two Try and turn around to go back down Falth Mountain, trying to back up and die. I'm like, okay, I can't do that. like, option three.
1: Yeah, not great option so far, but carry on.
0: Not great. Option three, live and make it. And I was like, okay, there's four miles left. Let's choose life. And so I was like, all right, I don't know how we're going to do this. We're going to get up there. Okay, fine thing. I made it up and I was so just, my journal was just running, just running, running, because I'm afraid of death for the last 25 minutes. And so I park, I get out and it looks like some Avengers, Middle Earth type of scene. The, the ground is permafrost, so you can't step on the grass. It takes 50 years for the grass to grow an inch. The air is so thin and it's so beautiful. And there's a lake, 12,000 feet, it's called Summit Lake. And I sat there on this rock, and I just looked around. I don't know if it was, again, the near-death experience or what, but I sat there, and it was so peaceful. It was so peaceful, so quiet. And I can barely breathe this air, and I'm thinking, this is what I've wanted my whole life. This peace, this clarity. Like, And to think I almost turned around and risked death to like miss this moment. And in that moment, I decided that like that was my permanent, I think that was my final sort of transformation shift of like, we have to we have to keep doing things like this. Not the death scare, but things that bring this moment. And I took a video of it, I took a photo of that, like, and I told myself that I was traveling, so I didn't have a address for, you know, like 13 months. And when I, I said, when I finally have a new place. I'm going to put this somewhere prominently in my home. So I remember this feeling and I have a giant um, triptych of this. That's about 24 by 48. That's right above my TV in my living room. So when I get stressed out, I sit and I look at it and I remember that moment. And I just think like you said the word, this is Nirvana. This is it. This is, this is that moment. So I always go back to that and whenever I look at that, I, I remind myself, like do the things that bring you joy, even if it's scary. So
1: thank you for sharing that It was a lovely story to, to hear. And, um, before, uh, before I get onto the, the the last question, that I really want to ask you. So you've got this toxic ambition course. Um, can you tell people a little bit more about what they would expect in that course, what it looks like? Um, and, uh, maybe where they can find it as well in the, in the show description, we'll give you a link to, uh, to the course so you can easily find it as well but just tell us a little bit more about the course
0: yep so the course is it's easy to find just it's uh, a tacticambition.com. so it's very easy again we'll have that in the show notes but um the course itself is really built for like a busy person so and it's built in both i I, personally i just i struggled with how i wanted to present the course in terms of a structured um you know week by week or just kind of like a binge model i told myself you know I'm an American. So I said, you know, this is America. You can have it both ways, you know? So the course is offered in the exact same content. One is a structured course every week, a new module will become available or just an on-demand method. You can say, this is my weekend of transformation or my day Mm -hmm. of transformation and and do everything. Um, But the course is a combination of short videos, um, some worksheets um, for that week and then independent work in terms of things to think about, um, throughout the week or until you get to the next module and the videos are really just about talking about the ideas in the framework. Like the real work comes with looking at it yourself and writing out your answers. Mm-hmm. And I have a, um, a colleague of mine that does a lot of work on DEI D-I, work, diversity, equity, and inclusion work and belonging and things like that. And he was taking the course and he's like, yeah, I watched the videos and then I got to the worksheets and I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to answer because <clears throat> it's it, it's scary. It's rocket science, but it's just the things we don't want to think about. But the course just really creates the framework for going there. And then once you're done, put it away,
1: <laughs> move
0: on with your life. But really, um, each module probably would take about an hour maximum. You know, the videos. You know, the videos are less than twenty minutes each module, um, and the rest is just your own thought and work um separately
1: so if you're listening and you've you've related to angelic story you've related to some of the symptoms that we've described uh, the sort of definition we've provided you go check out the course we'll put it in the uh, show description so we've got an easy enough way to find it and um and and thank you very much i want to i want to ask you a, a final question I tell this story of two children uh grown up in poverty and they see a sign on a post on the post it says if you want to be a great leader meet me at the beach at 4 a.m in the morning so the children come back the next day they go to the beach at 4 a.m and an elder walks over and says are you here to be a great leader and they both nod their the head and elder says to the first child i want you to walk as far down the beach as possible child starts walking walks about two miles and just says the elder i'm tired i'm exhausted why are we doing this the elder said keep walking the elder draws a line in the sand in front of them and says what are you going to do now the child says i'm not doing anything you've not told me why we're doing this what's the point of any of this they dispute it for a while and the child goes i'm not doing this turns around goes home the elder goes to the second child and goes are you ready to start walking and the child looks a bit sheepishly and says okay The child walks maybe a mile no further and collapses in exhaustion. And the child says, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I don't want to keep walking, I don't understand why we're doing this. The elder draws a line in the sand in front of them and says, What are you gonna do now? The child picks themselves up, they take 10 more footsteps and then fall on their knees again and says says the elder i'm tired i don't understand why we're doing this i can't walk as far as the other child how can i be a great leader and the elder says, i don't care how far you walked i wanted to see what you did once i drew that line in the sand in front of you what footprints would you leave them the point of that story long-winded story is to ask you angelic when someone draws that line in the sand in front of you, some point in your life, and you leave some footprints beyond it where you're really at your sort of, um, you know, the, 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 the antithesis of your capabilities in life or maybe the last part of your life, whatever it might be. And you leave those footprints, those final set of footprints. What footprints do you want to leave for other people? You
0: know, that's something I think about all the time all the time. more than the average child I, let me tell you I've, I've thought about this a lot my grandparents my, my mother's parents um they were my heroes um and they said they had this mantra it said live in a way where if you weren't in the room and someone spoke badly about you, the person listening wouldn't believe it. Hmm. And I've always held on to that of, you know, you want to be nice to people, you want to help people. Like When it's my time, I want people to tell, I want people to say, one, that I was funny. That is my, that is my ace, okay? I'm, the, I'm a very funny person, I land on that. Hey, you made, <laughs> Robin, Will- you made
1: that. Robin Williams laugh, so you, you've ticked that. Part.
0: Exactly, exactly. I need nothing else in my resume but that. <laughs> Um, But I want people to to say, you know, that I was funny, that I was generous, um, that I was a good friend, that I always extended a helping hand, that I was always, you know, willing to uplift others, um, that I didn't push anybody down on my way up, that I didn't compromise who I was um, for the sake of something else. And I think at the end of the day, I... When I, if I were to think like, what do I want people to say at the end of my life or after they meet me or whatever is there was no one else like her and not in the sense of like, I achieved something so amazing or that I was the president or I had a billion dollar company, but that I was uniquely myself and that self was, is an enjoyable memory.
1: Thank you very much. Oh, I forgot to ask one super, super serious important question. Uh, as a foodie, what oh, food do yes. you not what food are you not living without?
0: Oh Jesus. There's three cheese, chocolate, and bacon. Those <laughs> three. If yeah. I become if I become lactose intolerant or somehow can't eat meat, euthanize me. Send me out. Oh. I'm going. I don't wanna I don't wanna be here anymore.
1: Well I don't eat that... the
0: vegan cheese. I don't want to have dark chocolate. And if you, if someone could, if someone out there has plant based pork that tastes like bacon, like from Bay of the pig bacon, you might have me. But uh. other than that, I don't want to live. I don't want to well, live.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, you can you can feel bad for my story. Then I found out a, a while back that I'm marginally, marginally intolerant to lactose. Has it stopped me? No, I continue to persevere. Anyway, thank you very much for your time.
0: As you should. <laughs> thank you very much, David.